I'm Gene Demby. I'm Shireen Marisol Meraji, and this is Code Switch. From NPR. So, you know, if you listen to Code Switch, you know, we talk a lot about how people think about and process and understand their own racial and cultural identities. I live the Hawaiian life, but I don't talk too much Hawaiian. I feel like I don't belong anywhere. Am I so out to my race? I spent the first 12 years of my life thinking that I was a little white girl. I've said this multiple times on the show. I'm still trying to figure out how to fully embrace and express all of who I am, my own multi-ethnic background. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. you know, this is something I've been doing forever, since I was a kid. Speaking of kids, Shereen. Yes? It's got to be a real, a real strange time. Like a very weird time to be a kid right now. Because so much of childhood is routines and getting used to routines. You know what I mean? You go to school, you get your little graham cracker with the perforations on it you break it along the quadrants (laughs) you hang out with your friends you have nap time and recess time at a certain time a lot of that obviously has been upended because you know of the world yeah like all of us kids are processing the most right now Mm -hmm. i'm just thinking about my godson who lives across the street he's four and his mom was just telling me the other day that he asked her why bad police shoot people who look like him. Mm. Repeat, he is four years old, and this is what he's talking about. Wow. My niece, Ryan, is six. Um, She should be starting the first grade. And, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen her in seven months because everything's going on. I miss her so much. But it just must be a weird time. Like, this is when, you know, you get your little pencil case, right? You're excited to go back to school. Your lunchbox. Yeah, exactly. But now she's going to the living room and pulling up a laptop, you know. Yes, and thinking about social distancing and all of the other hell that is going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. It just, it's not right and it's not fair. And the reason why we're talking about kids so much is because we're going to be featuring the voices of kids on today's episode, but they're slightly older than Wolfie and Ryan. Did you have an accent? Hell yeah! <laughs> I'm not being represented the way that I should be. They're basically saying how we have coronavirus because we're Chinese. I think it's something that can be changed. So earlier this year, the NPR education team held its second annual student podcast challenge where they asked middle and high school students to make their own podcasts. And Jean, mm-hmm. we need to stay on our game because... <laughs> They're coming for our jobs, Shereen. I know. In this year's student podcast challenge, they got more than 2,000 entries from 46 states and from here in D.C. And those kids had a lot to say, which won't be surprising to anyone who's been around kids. So many of these student podcasts, like Code Switch, explored that big question every young person wrestles with, and in my case, not so young person. Who am I? Sequoia Carrillo is a producer with NPR's Ed Team, and she spent a lot of time, like a lot of time, listening to hundreds of these student podcasts, and she is here with us today to talk about a few of those entries. Sequoia, welcome to Code Switch. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, I really need to know, because like, you got thousands of podcasts, you had to listen to them. How many hours of your life did you actually dedicate to listening to these podcasts? Oh my gosh, right after all this went down, I took some time to 
kind of do some math, figure out how much time I actually spent listening to podcasts. And I came up with a number. It's not a pretty one. It was about 200 hours of my life oh. listening to these podcasts. Oh, wow. 200 hours. Wow. Somebody give this woman a raise. I know your boss, Sequoia. <laughs> <laughs> but beyond that, was there anything that really stood out to you in that 200 hours of listening? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's so, so different hearing kids speak for themselves and to each other rather than being interviewed by an adult. Sometimes there's not even an adult, an adult in the room when these kids are recording. And the passion really shines through. I think a great example of that is with our high school grand prize winners. Politicians, they're like the generation before us. So they're really thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. They're not really thinking about us like the new generation. All right, so who's that we're hearing? Those were high school students from Brooklyn, and they're part of an after-school club at the High School for Innovation in Advertising and Media. The club is called Men in Color, and it's mostly boys, although there is one girl in the podcast group. And it was set up a couple years ago just as a safe space for these kids to talk about really anything they want. And as a part of this club, they decided to start a podcast. Yeah, and they've been producing this show. Welcome to the Floor Seat Podcast. My name is Jaheem. My name is uh, My name is Jamar. My name is Brianna. Josh. Kamari. And today we're talking about climate change. Flossy Podcast coming with the beats. Man, I'm jealous of the open the music right now. <laughs> and one of their club members actually produced that music. Like they did it all oh, themselves. I love that. I know. Get at us, Flossy Podcast. <laughs> yes. The episode they won for, it actually focuses on climate change and its intersection with environmental racism. This is a topic near and dear to my heart. We've reported on it for Code Switch before. I'm I'm excited to hear what they had to say. Today we went to the climate march, and um, what stuck out to you guys the most? I know there's going to be a lot of people, but I didn't expect there to be that much people. What was crazy is that out of all those people, I barely saw any black people. I mean, it was some black people. Yeah, it was. But why do you think that the majority of people were black? Honestly speaking, I think it was about availability. Like, most of the kids that was um at the march, they, they either go to school in the area or they live in the area. Like, you're not going to see us coming from Canarsie like we did. So for those of y'all who've never been to Brooklyn who don't know where Canarsie is, it's, like, way out in the cut. is like, right on the water. Yeah, and the location is so important. We're going to talk about it more later. But in this podcast, the students point out that climate change disproportionately affects black people in the United States. And so when they're at this climate march, they decided to ask people about it, about environmental racism. Play the the clip. Play the clip. Run it. It's a major problem. And if we don't fix it, we about to die. It's an everybody issue. It's not just a one person issue. If we need to keep fighting for like change within the black community, we have to still make sure that the world is still here. So we need to make sure that the world is preserved. So we got to start with the world being here. And then we got to keep on going and going and going. So what is the step you think we could take to make it better? Like change it? Well, starting off with that, just talking about it, not just posting like on social media, oh, the world is ending this, that, and the third. You actually have to come out to things like this. Like, we're not in the government or anything like that, but like, we're the kids, like, we're the children. Like, we could come out here and show them, like, this is what we're about. Like, we're not about nothing else. Like, this is what we want to change. That was so incredible to listen to. First of all, for people who don't understand uh, what it's like to go out and just cold, ask people questions Mm -hmm. in an environment where there are a ton of people. 
it's just, it's very nerve-wracking, number one. It's hard to get really good sound. And I loved the response, which was, if we want to make change for our community, we have to make sure the world is still here for us to live in. It was something like that. It was an amazing piece of tape there. Right. Um, so, Sequoia, what made these kids at this high school decide to go to this climate march in the first place? Well, honestly, they went originally for free food and a field trip. Um, <laughs> that sounds about right. That's real. That's real. But once they got there and they started talking to people, it started to really sink in that environmental racism was impacting them. For people growing up in like Canarsie, you don't really realize that we live in, in these areas. And then you go somewhere else, like Mill Basin or other neighborhoods, and you're like, why is it so much different than, than where I live? So for people who are unfamiliar with Canarsie and Mill Basin in New York, Jean already said Canarsie is way out in the cut in Brooklyn. It's near water. But I don't even know. I don't know anything about Mill Basin. How are these two places different? Well, Canarsie is about 60 percent black, 40 percent Latino versus Mill Basin, which is mostly white and And rich and rich. And these kids who go to school in Canarsie go to a school next to a landfill, for example. And it was actually seeing the differences in these two environments that inspired this episode of the Flossie podcast. The fact that none of the kids will eat the school lunch and there's lead in the water and they live near a landfill. And like you're getting all these messages from the environment about how much you matter, about how much your life is worth. And you know for a fact that other places don't have that same thing. So that's their teacher, who has a great name, Mishkael Situt, who started the club. And my colleague, Alyssa Nadworny, and I actually got to interview him. We also spoke to the two hosts. And what's interesting is that they didn't set out to take on social justice issues like environmental racism. Here's one of the hosts, Jaheem Birch Gentles. Also a great name. When we, was, when we started the making of this podcast, I didn't view myself as an activist of any kind. I just viewed myself as a kid from the neighborhood of Canarsie. And I'm speaking about, I'm speaking about what I've seen and my experiences. Which is wonderful because their lived experience matters. And their lives are being impacted by a lot of things going on in the world right now, including the effects of climate change. Yeah, like we said that Canarsie is on the water. It's right on Jamaica Bay, which means that they are probably going to be one of the neighborhoods that is first affected by, you know, ocean level rise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Canarsie was hit super hard during Sandy. And the students talk about what that was like for them. And one girl in the group actually shares a story from when she was living in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. She was only two years old. And it was like my mom, my grandparents, and I think my aunt. And I just, I can only remember a little bit, but like I remember seeing like a hole in the roof, the whole house is flooded. And then. And one of her earliest memories is driving away from her house and seeing her toys floating in the flood water. So yeah, that was pretty sad. Hmm. Here's host Jamar Thompson. Well, I've always been a person where like, if I don't like what's going on or if I see something that's not right, I'm going to speak up about it. So I feel like the podcast kind of just gave me the opportunity to do that on like a bigger scale than I am normally accustomed to. I hope they keep speaking up. I hope they keep making more podcasts. Also, shout out to whoever is making beats for Flossie. We could definitely use some of your baselines here on Code Switch. And we're going to post a link to that story where you can hear more from these Flossie students. 
so those were the high school grand prize winners from the Flossie podcast. But now we're going to talk about another grand prize winner from the middle school category. It's a podcast that's also right on the news. It deals with COVID and racism against Asian Americans. Hi, welcome to the Dragon Kids podcast. I'm Leo. I'm Becky. Sequoia, tell us about these middle schoolers. Oh, well, these middle schoolers are the cutest you will ever meet. They were in sixth grade (laughs) when they made this podcast. They're all Chinese-American, and they're part of an after-school club called the Dragon Kids. The school's mascot is actually the dragon, and it's run out of Karen Patterson's classroom at PS126 in New York City's Chinatown. Uh, Two New York City Grand Prize winners. I mean, Hmm. I sense some East Coast bias happening there, you know what I mean? (laughs) I know, but I also want to know, like, the makeup of the judges. Are they all East Coast-centric? Because I'm feeling some type of way. I was going to say, you'll have to take this up with our judges. <laughs> I, I am going to have to. To be fair, uh, New York City, and Brooklyn particularly, <laughs> has more. New York City probably has more podcasters per capita than any other place in the, in the world. So You know what? That's actually a good point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the episode these guys won for is called Masked Kids. It Mm -hmm. talks about the early days of the coronavirus. The students actually made this episode in February of 2020. Uh, But even then, they were dealing with the racism around the disease. Because this started in China, people have been saying mean things to Chinese people. Have you guys had anyone say something about it to you? I've seen a lot of the younger kids, like kindergartners and first grade people, wearing masks in school. I've heard about people saying mean things but no one has said it to me. I heard that a student who is not Chinese said they don't want to sit next to a Chinese kid because he has the coronavirus. Ugh, this makes me so sad. It's so messed up. Mm. It is. It's It sucks. The Dragon Kids went on to interview an older student, Amanda, who was bullied by her classmates because she started coughing when she was eating spicy noodles for lunch. The other students said she must have coronavirus. Amanda Mm. wound up reporting the incident to the principal. And when the administration asked her what they should do, here's what she said. I told them that don't just focus it on me, but focus it more towards the Chinese population of the school because I'm sure that they might have received comments about the coronavirus. Amanda's parents immigrated to the U.S. 20 years ago to pursue a better life. However, they're just not brave enough to speak up for themselves. And during that time, I was really nervous. And after I got out of their office, I was crying because I didn't feel like if I was doing it right or is it right just to like speak up for myself and speak up for the whole entire Chinese student population. Mm. Oh, Amanda, going through all the feelings. I'm just here to tell you that you were right to speak up and speak out. And you were so brave to then go on to tell your story on a podcast. Good for you, especially considering now this podcast is being broadcast nationwide. So it's getting a much broader audience for your story. Good for you, Amanda. Go, Amanda. Go, Dragon Kids. (laughs) I know. And Amanda's story alone would be a really meaningful podcast. But these kids chose to use their platform to share real facts and also help people understand the coronavirus. 
By the way, they were doing this before many government officials. Hmm. One way to prevent the spread of this virus is to wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Another thing you can do is not touch your face. The Mandarin word for face is Ulian. Ulian. And remember to cover your mouth and nose when you cough and sneeze into your elbow. The Mandarin word for sneeze is Da Pen Ti. Da Pen Ti. There are a lot of rumors on the internet about the coronavirus. You should only believe your doctor or the CDC and WHO. <laughs> the CDC is Centers for Disease Control and WHO is World Health Organization. Those are the only reliable sources of information about the coronavirus. Oh, do you hear the shade in the voice? <laughs> like we said, Gene, they are coming for our jobs. It's like, just so you know, a whole bunch of people out there lying, <laughs> not naming no names. Um, so aside from providing some very useful and appropriately shady information about the coronavirus, they are also teaching us Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was one of the things the judges loved about this podcast. I think every single one cited that as one of their favorite parts. The reason the students put this in is because they were all at one time English language learners. So they added in little Mandarin lessons to help other people learn Mandarin. Huh. Words like mask. I love that. And sneeze. But my favorite part is when they taught us this saying. A famous singing Mandarin is Bing Lai Lu San Dao. Bing Lai Lu San Dao. Which means sickness comes in like a landslide but goes out as slow as spinning silk. Yeah, you try it. Bing lai lu san dao. Bing lai lu san dao. This is similar to what is happening with the coronavirus. All of a sudden, everyone knows about the coronavirus and it is spreading quickly, but treating, preventing, and containing it will be very slow and difficult. Bing lai lu san dao. I hope I got that right. Because that was very cool. And what a cool crew of kids. Ah, It brought tears to my eyes. I'm sorry. I have to collect myself for a second. <laughs> sorry. Every time. It happens All every right. time I listen to that <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right. So to recap for everybody, these kids made this podcast back in February. And thinking back to February, I know I definitely thought, Oh, we're going to be here for what? You know, maybe a month, maybe two months. Wow, I was completely wrong. This has been quite a time that we've been struggling through. I did not think this was going to be happening for as long as it has been. All right. I think we need to take just a quick break here to think about the state of things. I need to gather myself for a second. Um, maybe y'all want to practice that new Mandarin saying we just learned. And when we come back... We're going to hear from another set of students who are going to show us another side of language lessons. So, yeah, when I was reading, I had an accent and I felt judged. Stay with us. Support for NPR and the following message come from Third Love, working to create bras and underwear that are comfortable for all women. 
Co-founder and CEO Heidi Zack explains why it was important to have real women as their models. Women come in all shapes and sizes, and we really wanted to illustrate that through the imagery that we use um, and through the way we even talk about women's bodies. Third Love is meant to be a brand that all women can see themselves being a part of. To find your perfect fit and get 15% off your first order, go to thirdlove.com slash switch. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Marguerite Casey Foundation, creating greater freedom for changemakers to create a truly representative economy. Marguerite Casey Foundation believes working people and their families should have the power to shape our institutions, our democracy, and our economy. Shifting power, powering freedom. Learn more about the foundation at www.caseygrants.org and connect with the foundation on Twitter at Casey Grants and on Facebook. Some days, reading a bunch of headlines just isn't enough. You need to let the news sink in. On Consider This, NPR's new daily news podcast, we can help you do that. Each day, in about 10 minutes, you can find out not just what happened, but why and what it means. Consider This, new episodes every weekday afternoon from NPR. Jean. Shireen. Sequoia. Code Switch. Before the break, we heard from high school kids in New York who made their podcast about how climate change disproportionately affects black people here in the United States. And we got a Mandarin lesson from middle schoolers in New York City who were using their podcast to fight anti-Asian racism with facts and not fiction about the coronavirus. Those students from the Dragon Kids Club that we just heard had all been English language learners by the way, which just means that when they started at PS126, they were still learning English. Our next mm-hmm. podcasters were also English language learners, and they delve into the process of bouncing between the languages and all the opinions that come with that. Oh, well, they bounce between languages. I have the perfect <laughs> name for this podcast. You ready, Shereen? You ready? Mm-hmm, I'm ready. They should call it Code Switch. Code, cause How clever. <laughs> where um I've been looked down on for like talking Spanish yeah I've been made fun of you can also see the judgment in people sometimes when you're speaking Spanish older male elderly came up to my family's house and threatened to call immigration on us if we didn't turn down our music because apparently it was loud and annoying and something that didn't belong here he told my mom to her face he said and I quote take your music and get back to your own country they're like oh like speak English like this is a Mexico or like they would like call each other offensive thing like I would just be there and like they would just argue on like how this is America and not Mexico and that they should speak English and listen to English music and like that they don't want to hear that garbage music welcome to our podcast my name is Jocelyn and I'm Alejandra Jocelyn and Alejandra are seniors at a school in Cicero, Illinois, and they talked to Mm -hmm. some people who got very real about what it's like trying to learn English. Jocelyn was in a social studies class where her teacher would pick a name randomly from a stack of sticks and ask that student to read out loud. And whenever the sticks came out, I started panicking. My hands started getting really sweaty. And then I just kept looking around the room and I, I kept thinking, oh my gosh, should I just ask to go to the bathroom? Just hoping she uh, call your name. Yeah, and I kept <laughs> wanting to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, oh my God, I hated 
social studies. I would get so scared. I, I was afraid of like people judging me. Mm-hmm. And like I knew I wasn't good at reading. Mm-hmm. So like reading out loud in front of like my whole class, I couldn't. <laughs> and it was the worst thing ever. Hey man, reading out loud. I've been I've been reading out loud on this podcast for four years now. It's still I still gotta pee sometimes, you know what I mean? <laughs> still nerve wracking. <laughs> I have to say, that's exactly how I feel when I have to read out loud in Spanish. Oh, wow. Or when I try to say things in Persian around other Iranians, I just, I become a different person. I become really shy and nervous because I'm so embarrassed about how bad I am at my heritage languages, at the languages I'm supposed to speak because those were my parents' languages. Mm -hmm. So I get it. I get those nerves. And they say it wasn't just their own nerves that were tough to deal with. Many of them dealt with tons of bullying and passive-aggressive comments as well. Like this one time when they were working on a group project. And this kid out of random, he's like, so how long have you been speaking English? And I was like, "Um, I don't know, since like third, fourth grade, second grade, you know, normal. And he's like, oh, it's just that your accent is so pronounced. So after that, I was self-conscious for like a pretty long time of how I spoke with people. because. Mm. Of course. Can people just not say rude comments like that or ask questions like that? What is that supposed to accomplish i don't get that oh i know and they talk about another time and this one makes me so mad it was when one of the students was playing a soccer game against a very white team from another school district and the white parents on the opposing side were shouting racist insults at the girls. We're like, look at these Hispanics, look at what they're doing, or look at these beaners. Oh my God. And we were like, parents would say that? Well, yeah, that was like, how do you guys have the audacity to say that when you guys are full-grown adults? Oh my God. And you guys should know better rather than... <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's an understatement, by the way, that they should know better. Yeah. And it wasn't all soul-crushing. One of the people interviewed on this podcast did share something really hopeful. She said that even with learning a whole new language, she graduated from high school with honors, she got her associate's degree, she's doing really cool stuff. Even with my broken, thick accent, so I'm fine with you saying I have an accent. And I think that eventually everybody's going to realize that it doesn't define who you are. Just part of who you are. You're part Mexican-American, and you should be proud of both parts, even if it comes in a slight thick accent. I like my thick accent. (laughs) (laughs) And we do, too. We love it. Honestly, I don't know if you can top that podcast, Sequoia, but you have another one for us. So... Let's see what you got. What's next? Well, the next podcast is my favorite. It was one of the first entries I listened to. They actually submitted it like right when the contest opened. They were one of the first entries we got. And it's from seniors at a high school in Stillwell, Oklahoma. It's a really small town of about 4,000 people. And it's right on the border of Oklahoma and Arkansas. But even though it's a small town, it's actually known for a few different things. That was Stuart High School Cherokee language teacher Mr. Panther saying the Trail of Tears ends in our town. That's because beginning in the 1830s, the government forced many of our ancestors to leave their homes and march west to Indian Territory so new settlers could take over our ancestral lands back east to grow cotton and mine gold. So Stillwell is known for being one of the places where people ended up at the end of the Trail of Tears. And 
by the way, the student body at Stillwell High School is about 90% Native American, and many of the students are enrolled citizens of the Cherokee Nation. We just did an episode that got into the Trail of Tears not that long ago, and all of this history, we, we never got taught in school about the treaty that led up to the Trail of Tears called the Treaty of New Echota. Is this podcast also about the Trail of Tears, or is that just where it starts? No, it's actually about one of the other things this town is known for. Our strawberries are smaller and sweeter than any others. We have a parade to celebrate it every year in May. But in 2018, the Washington Post wrote an article about Stillwell and gave us a new title. The headline read, The Strawberry Capital of the World is the Early Death Capital of the United States. On the first day of class, our teacher walked in and asked us, Is this really the death capital? That began our journey. Whoa. I know. More than 50 students, which is almost the entire senior class, by the way, spent a whole semester trying to figure out if that claim was true. And they documented the journey in their podcast called Strawberries in the Death Capital. That sounds like the title of a heavy metal album. (laughs) I love the title. It's so good. (laughs) And one of the things they realized as they were doing their reporting was that a lot of people in Stillwell were finding that early death claim super hard to believe. And I just wonder if this is accurate. Some of the people that they interviewed, it's not a good representation of our community. The Cherokee Nation Director of Public Health proved the data was incorrect. It didn't make sense to me that I could drive to Bell or drive to Peabody or drive down to Cave Springs and I'm going to live 20 years longer. Hmm. I really want to listen to this podcast. Were they able to come up with any conclusions? Is Stillwell the early death capital of the United States? I won't spoil the ending because you really should just go listen to this podcast. But the students end the piece by saying that they hope their semester of research will ignite a spark in Stillwell and try to address their issues and just change the town for the better. That was Mr. Panther saying the end of the trail should not be the end of the line. Jean, Shireen, we just listened to a bunch of podcasts about some pretty heavy stuff. I mean... Yes, every single one. But, you know, early death capital United States, environmental racism, bullying, harassment. I mean, that's just Wednesday on Code Switch, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wanted to leave you guys with something a little more calming because I feel like we could all use something soothing and gentle to play us out. I agree. So this podcast was a favorite amongst the education team. It's called What is the Most Beautiful Sound? made by Alex Soto from Arizona. And it's just a really unique entry. I think the rain falling... Especially here where we live in Tucson, it's always dry and hot outside. And when it rains, it's like a blessing. You know when you have an old car and it's like very well kept up and you start it and it's like that old car like... <gasps> My bird's singing. How does that song make you feel? Uh, good because she has no rhythm but tries hard. When all my kids get together, play games and... Have fun together in the house. I asked my mom what her favorite sound was. A laughing baby. What does a laughing baby sound like? I'm not going to laugh like a baby. Really? (laughs) (laughs) 
Alex, I think that your laugh right there might just be my new favorite sound. <laughs> also, you are a creative genius. I love this yes. podcast so much. This is poetry. The sounds giving us life. Dare I say it? We might have to steal it for our own podcast. Not kidding. I would listen to this podcast as a palate cleanser after listening to like a hundred other podcasts in a row. And I, I could recite this podcast. It, it made me realize that my favorite sound is definitely wind chimes. I think it, it makes mm. me think of my parents and sitting on my front porch. Yes, my Titi Lauda always had a bunch of wind chimes. Like I said, I'm going to go with Alex Soto's laugh. That's going to be my favorite sound for this episode, at least. Gene, what about you? You got a favorite sound? Is it, I'm going to sound real basic when I say this, but uh, the sounds of the ocean waves crashing in the water, like crashing on the shore. It is a great sound. It's so good. My wife is from California, uh, and every time we go out to the bay, she always wants to take these random drives up and down the coast. Um, and so, um, you know, it's really rocky coast, really sort of violent water. You can't really swim in it, uh, but it's, it's like this big rumble when you hear crash against the shore. It's amazing. It's really dope. And it's a really hard sound to record. It is. Like you think it, mm-hmm. it's this yeah. amazing thing. You pull out your phone. You're like, oh, I'm, I really want to record that. And it never sounds like it, it sounds does terrible. in real life. It just sounds yeah. like, yeah, like, just like, just, <laughs> yeah. just. Exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, you're cool. You, you, you recorded your shower. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave it there. That's our show. This episode was produced by Kumari Devarajan. It was edited by Leah Danella and Steve Drummond. We will be remiss if we did not shout out the rest of the Code Switch Massive, Karen Griffey Bates, Natalie Escobar, Jess Kung, Alyssa Jong Perry, and LA Johnson. Follow us on Twitter. We're at NPR Code Switch. I'm at Radio Mirage. Gene is at G E E D E E215. Check us out on the gram. We're at I say IG, I don't say the gram. Check us out on IG. We're at NPR Code Switch. I'm Gene Demby. And I'm Shireen Marisol Miraji. And joining us for this entire episode was the wonderful Sequoia Carrillo. Thank you so much, Sequoia. Thanks for having me. Be easy, yo. Peace. I'm Lisa Hagen. And I'm Chris Haxel. We're the hosts of No Compromise, NPR's new podcast exploring one family's mission to reconstruct America using two powerful tools, guns and Facebook. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Join us for the No Compromise podcast from NPR.